Thank you very much. Well, welcome along to the first Nerd Degree of 2015. My name is Brendan Bennett, and I will be your host. Now, 2015 is, of course, famously the year in which Marty McFly travelled to uh, in Back to the Future 2. Now, if you've been on the internet lately, it's already awash with articles about what Back to the Future got wrong about 2015. And I'm sure it will only get worse as we get closer to the key date of October the 21st, when, when he's meant to actually arrive. Uh, however... If your year has gone anything like mine so far, you'll find that Back to the Future 2 has been eerily accurate in that it is not quite as good as the previous one. (laughs) (laughs) Now, tonight's show will mostly be linked uh, tangentially to Back to the Future, uh, except for the bits where it's not linked, um, which you'll just ignore in the same way that Marty McFly's dad ignores the fact that his son looks exactly like the guy his wife went to the school prom with uh, (laughs) shortly before his son was conceived. So we'll just ignore that. Uh, so it's time, first of all, to meet our players. So let's start uh, with Erin. Uh, Hi, my name's Erin. I have a doctorate in pop culture-related bizzo, and I teach theory and culture and stuff at the university. Thank you, Erin. Andrew. Hi, uh, my name is Andrew. I'm the gaming editor of BadassDigest.com, uh, and I wrote and directed a movie called Go Short 2 Urban Jaws, which is coming out soon. <laughs> it's being raided at the moment It's in Wellington So Soon <laughs> All right. Fingers crossed for those mature themes Yeah Yeah Alright and Karen um, My name is Karen Healy And I am a young adult author Of science fiction and fantasy I am both a young adult And a writer of fiction For young adults Thank you, Karen. Uh, Now, the three of you are forming a team. Now, in each new degree, the teams will be playing for a charity of their choice. What charity will you be playing for tonight? Uh, We're playing for the Cyberdyne Army. Um, It is a charity that supplies clothes, boots, and motorcycles to nude time travelers. Uh, Cyberdyne, helping those with nothing but time to kill. All right, big round of applause for Cyberdyne. On this team we have, starting with Matt. Uh, my name is Matt Powell, uh, and I'm better at StarCraft 2 than my t-shirt is. Mm. <laughs> okay, thank you for that visual gag for our podcast. Uh, I'm wearing a Bronze League t-shirt. Uh, I'm really in Gold League on the North American server, but the next, the next one up from Gold they had was Diamond, and I really didn't feel like I pushed my luck that far. Uh, Derek Hi, my name is Derek Flores I'm a cowboy shirt enthusiast And I drew a hamster in a bathing suit On this piece of paper Uh, One lucky audience member We'll get that at the end of the night (laughs) And Jen Hello, uh, I'm Jennifer Sullivan I'm a improviser and producer from Wellington Um, And I used to be a pro wrestler Ooh. <laughs> and, and what charity are you guys going to be playing for? Uh, we're going to be playing for the Emmett L. Brown Orphanage and, and Juvenile Correctional Facility because something's got to be done about the kids. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm trying to abbreviate that into one word. Um, the, uh, the Emmett Brown. The Brown Foundation. <laughs> Brown Foundation. Ladies and gentlemen, the Brown Foundation. <laughs> Right, the first round that we always have is, of course, Today I Learned, where we hear from each of our contestants something that they learnt today. So we'll go back over to Erin. What did you learn today? Uh, today I learnt that cows don't have teeth up the top of the front of their mouths. Instead, they have dental pads. 
not to be uh, confused with dental dams, and um, <laughs> lots of kind of molars around there, and incisors, sorry, canines that look like incisors down the bottom, and that's the way that they scoop up grass and mush it all around in their mouths and do terrible things with it in their stomachs. Did you find this out through first-hand experience? <laughs> um, no, no, I went, I went down a Wikipedia hole, and that's where mm. I ended up. I ended up in ruminants. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful word for a disgusting activity. <laughs> Andrew, what did you learn today? Uh, I learned uh, this. This blew my mind, but it may not. It may not be as mind blowing as I found it. Uh, that the actor who plays uh, the mayor of Punxsutawney in uh, Groundhog Day is Bill Murray's brother, um, Brian Doyle Murray. There are five Murrays who act, and they are all in Scrooged. Mm, all right, thank you. And Karen, what did you learn today? I learned that you should never challenge Gaston to a push-up competition because some jacked-up teenager tried it at Disney World and Gaston blitzed him <laughs> doing one-armed push-ups with one hand on his hip. So, mm, don't try it. Well, all right, no one does push-ups like Gaston. <laughs> Matt, what did you learn today? Uh, today I learned, uh, I'm a bit of a design nerd, and today I learned that the Pantone colour for 2015 is Marsala. Uh, and the thing about Marsala uh, is it's a, a kind of a deep, rich wine colour, and it says the impactful, full-bodied qualities of Marsala make for an elegant, grounded statement colour when used on its own or as a strong accent to many other colours. Much like the fortified wine that gives Marsala its name, this taste tasteful hue embodies the satisfying richness of a fulfilling meal, while its grounding red-brown roots emanate a sophisticated natural earthiness. <laughs> uh, I see we near the front row is already wearing a Marsala-coloured jacket. So, uh, good start. It's just amazing. There's no limit to the things that people can be wankers about. <laughs> Derek, what did you learn today? I, I learned, um, I'm a parent, and I've got, I've got a five... You learned that you're a parent today. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you're a I know. I'm, I'm Latino, so there could be more. <laughs> but I, I, if you... Captain Underpants. The series of books, uh, Captain Underpants, is fantastic. And uh, me and my son are in Chapter 19... Please don't spoil it. Uh, Dr. Diaper has just gone off to change his diaper. And the two robots are about to get George and Harold. So, yeah, if you've got a five-year-old, I think that's a good book. This sounds completely made up. Uh, yeah, I know. It's fantastic. There's, there are 19 series. They've got 19 books out so far. And it's a perfect uh, chapter, introduction chapter book. Okay. No comedy, just uh, kids' books. Yeah. Thank you. And Jen, what did you learn today? Uh, I learned um, uh, that despite uh, my career in improv seeming uh, quite pointless, um, <laughs> my, uh, the improv actually can be used to uh, treat Alzheimer patients and uh, old people with dementia because you spend a lot of, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of work done to sort of ground them in the now and sort of get them back to reality. But if, you know, they say, there's a monkey outside and you just go, yeah, there is. They stay a lot calmer <laughs> because you believe them. It's really nice. I just think it's really nice. Mm-hmm. And I learned that. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yay. <laughs> We're the feel-good team. <laughs> well, it's time to get uh, into our competition with our first round. But first of all, we need to roll initiative. Ooh. So if I can get both the teams. 14. 14. That's a six. So, despite having a dice six times bigger than theirs, uh, it is the Cyberdyne uh, Foundation. Army. Cyberdyne Army. Cyberdyne Army. Army. Sorry. Here we go. Foundation is the friendly front. 
Yeah. <laughs> our first round is the nerd quotient round. Yes. And now for a word from our sponsor. <laughs> the nerd quotient round is brought to you by Tyrion's Animal Family Planning Clinic. Because a Lannister always spaces pets. <laughs> In the nerd quotient round, the teams will be challenged to answer questions on nerdy topics of varying nature. So this first one is for the Cyberdyne army. Mm. I'm going to read a quote uh, from someone about uh, a fear of future technology. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want you to identify what technology it is that they are afraid of. Mm -hmm. And if you can identify the person who said it, that would be uh, bonus points. So here it is. It will implant forgetfulness in their souls. They will cease to exercise memory because they rely on this. Calling things to remembrance oh, 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 no oh, oh, longer oh, oh. from within themselves... <laughs> I'm going to finish reading this. <laughs> it is no true wisdom that you offer your disciples, but only its semblance. For by telling them of many things without teaching them, you will make them seem to know much, while for the most part they know nothing. And as men filled not with wisdom, but with the conceit of wisdom, they will be a burden to their fellows. It just sounds like vodka. <laughs> the fear of the technology of vodka. Um, uh, Karen, you, do you know the answer to that? I believe it's the technology of reading. Close. Who said instead it? of uh, instead of oral communication, it being a, 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 a um, the idea of writing information down and giving it to somebody else to read later. Um, I'm going to go with Plato. Plato is correct. Ooh. So that was Plato classics writing major. in 370 <laughs> BCE. Yeah, you're lucky to have a classics teacher. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he was writing about the the danger of the written word, although. Uh, the phrase, men filled not with wisdom but with the conceit of wisdom, they will be a burden to their fellows, is a pretty good description of the internet, I think you'll find. Yeah. So uh, complaining about technology, not new. Yeah, not new at all. Alright, now, for the Brown Foundation, I have... Brown-dation. <laughs> Brown-dation. Hey, we're owning it. Yeah. Uh, can we be the Marsala Foundation? I just feel like it's a... It's a, it's a if, Slightly more on market. No, no, you're logged in. It's the Brown Foundation. <sighs> Back to the Future, of course, was released in 1985. Uh, one of the most influential video games of all time was also released in 1985. Does anyone know what that was? Pac-Man. Uh, Donkey Kong, Pac-Man, Super Mario. 85? I'm just listing things that are old. Listing things that are old. E.T. <laughs> Games, games. That was ET. E. Yeah. E. was 1982. Oh, it was 1982. Okay. <laughs> I feel like Super Mario Brothers might be a good bet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it might be a good bet because I'm projecting a picture of Super Mario Brothers behind you. Uh, Damn. Tell us not to look at the screen. <laughs> uh, so, yes, uh, Super Mario Brothers was released in 1985, although I would have also accepted Gauntlet, Bard's Tale, Ghosts and Goblins, or Ultima 4. Oh. It was a good year oh, for video places. games. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Super Mario. As you can see in this picture here, um, he gets power-ups by bonking his head against uh, various blocks. And this is open to everyone. I'll, I'll give you a point if you can tell me any of the things that come out of the blocks. Oh, dang. A flower. Yes. A, a coin. Sunflower. A coin, yes. A one-up. Uh, Mushrooms. <laughs> yes, one up. Yes, uh, a, a snail. Suit. No, a raccoon suit. <laughs> a, a, a tanuki suit. A goomba. A prescription for paracetamol. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, goombas occasionally goomba? come out, don't they? 
Mm, no. Oh. So uh, power-ups, uh, super, the super mushroom, the fire flower, the superstar, mm. a coin, a beanstalk, or a one-up mushroom. Mm. But there is a dark undercurrent <laughs> to uh, Mario's happy-go-lucky breaking of the, blocks with his the head. head trauma. <laughs> <laughs> even, even, something even more disturbing than the head trauma. Does anyone know what is the horrible secret behind Mario's dis- destruction of these blocks? Is he a block racist? <laughs> blockist. <laughs> a blockist? Uh, Did I'm... a block kill his dad? Is, that... <laughs> is he like sabotaging the rebuild? Are, are, <laughs> are these blocks floating in midair the last remnants of a once great but now fallen society that he is Eradication. trying to stamp into Ethnic oblivion? Cleansing. <laughs> I'm, here I'm going to read you the text. <laughs> because it's a little bit uncanny. According to the Super Mario Brothers instruction book, when the Koopas first invaded the Mushroom Kingdom, wow. they turned its people into blocks. <gasps> So all of these blocks that Mario is destroying are actually all of the people Whoa. of the kingdom. So oh, he's so casual about it. <laughs> so I'll give points to anyone who can explain uh, the justification for like the logic within this game of how it actually works. Him destroying these blocks, getting coins and flowers out. What does this actually mean in game in the story? Is it grave robbing? I guess it's like, yeah, like it's it's what they had on their person when they when they were turned into blocks. It's like stealing just... the coins from the eyes. Yeah, it's a looting system. Okay. Well, no, look, look at the picture though. He's he's not, he's not punching them. He's giving them a, a fist bump, like of encouragement. <laughs> and then stealing their stuff. No, they're they're giving it to him to support his quest to save their kingdom. But generally, he's giving people a fist bump Are on the... their fists, though, right? So it's supernatural patronage. Yeah. But does that make the blocks like zombies if they're sentient? We don't know that they're sentient. But, they, but yeah. no, I'm following that story of mm. you, you fist bump them, they give you stuff. They're block zombies. Is it like a rapture where he's releasing the spirits so they are now free to commune with whatever god they wish to? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with your explanation, Derek. I'm gonna give you some points for that because that's the least disturbing of all. Alright, so just something to think about next time you play Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Um, one other thing to think about is, and this is just weird, is that the, the bushes and the clouds are actually the same sprite, just different colours. <laughs> oh, well. Um, yeah, I know, right? Look it up at home. <laughs> Alright, next question, and this one is going... Uh, I'm going to give the, the Brown Foundation another chance on this. Okay. Now... Your, your uh, team name is, of course, the Emmett Brown something, 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 something. Yeah. Now, I did, actually, only researching this, did I realised what Doc Brown's first name was. Right. Which is Emmett. Emmett. But it got me thinking about first names for characters uh, that don't often uh, have their first names revealed. So I'm going to go through some characters. I would like you to... I will give points to anyone who can identify the correct first name for any of these characters. Okay. Great. Okay. First one is Shaft. Erin. <laughs> uh, John Shaft. John can Shaft. Can you dig it? That's it, I can. All right. MacGyver. Oh, there's people in the audience who know this one. Robert. Robert. Gunter. That's my guess. Gunter. Getting closer. Getting closer. Rupert? Alphonse. Ferdinand. Murray. As everyone knows, MacGyver's first name is Angus. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. He's right. very Scottish. He's thick Scottish bro. Yeah. <laughs> Bones McCoy. 
Uh, <gasps> Andrew. Leonard. Leonard is correct. <laughs> Kramer. Cosmo. Cosmo is correct. Uh, Snuffleupagus. Mister. <laughs> Mister. <laughs> it is not Mister. He, he has an actual first name. Uh, Touchy. <laughs> Gordon. <laughs> that was another guy on Sesame Street. Uh, his first name was Aloysius. Oh, Aloysius oh, Snuffleupagus. That's a good name. Good parenting. Right, how about uh, Rich Uncle Pennybags? Uh, the mascot from Monopoly. Bevan? Maxfield? Bevan. <laughs> Jaden. Jaden. Uh, Montgomery? Barry? Milburn. Milburn. Oh. Milburn. Oh. Right. Dr. Zoidberg. John. John is correct. Whoa. John A. Zoidberg. Indiana Jones. Oh, God. Oh, uh, Henry. Yeah. Yep, Henry is correct. Yeah. And finally, Doctor Who. Oh, it was not a name. <laughs> he is the doctor. The doctor. Yeah. That is his first name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. His name. I was just wondering if anyone knew. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a fine name uh, since used as a, as a middle name by characters such as Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Attila the Hun. All right, this next section, I would like to look at franchises. Now, in the Back to the Future 2... Marty McFly sees an ad for what film? Jaws. Holographic Jaws. Jaws 19. Jaws 19. 19. This That's time right. it's really, really, really personal. Directed by Max Spielberg. Yes, here is the uh, poster for it. Now, at the time, uh, the idea of a Jaws 19 was considered absurd, but since then, at least three film franchises have surpassed 19 films. Can anyone identify any of James those film Bond. franchises? James Bond is Land one of Before them. Time. Still the Land up. Before Time is... It's not before time we do really? well. It's not. Oh. Bring it on only has five. <laughs> Let's go through all of uh, the franchises. Does this, does this, does this count s- adult franchises? Uh, yeah, Girls Gone Wild 37. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say no. That, that didn't come up in my research, so no. Um, You've got uh, Safe Search on. So we've got, we've got James Bond as one of them. Um, oh, one of them is a, a British... Uh, series and one oh, of Carry On, on films. Yeah. The Carry On films had 31 installments. Nice. Going from Carry On Sergeant in 1958 to Carry, Carry on, on Columbus and on and on and on and on. in 1992. Yeah. Uh, there's one more, and this is a oh. franchise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it Zatoichi? No, no, but you're in the right country. Uh. Oh. Uh. It's a Japanese franchise. Dragon Ball Z. Oh, Godzilla. Godzilla is correct. Yes, uh, Godzilla has 28 Japanese films. And they're all great. (laughs) Um, The two US films and four American repackaging of Japanese films. Which we shall never speak of again. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so speaking of franchises, uh, Cyberdyne Army, Mm -hmm. which has more films in its franchise, Star Trek or Halloween? Star Trek. Hang on. Star Trek's got... Halloween's got. Aaron, does that count the Starship? I feel. I feel like it's. I feel like it's. It does count that. Yes. Mm. I don't think. When was the last Halloween one? Well, there were the two. Are you you talking about the reboots as well? Including reboots. reboots? Well, there's two reboots of each each one, so they cancel out. (laughs) 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 Um, But there were ten original Star Trek movies. I reckon go Star Trek. I reckon it's Star Trek. And and I'll hang my horror PhD. But yeah. I'll, I'll chuck it into the green bin. <laughs> you are correct. Uh, Star Trek has 12 films in the franchise. Halloween has 10. Mm. Mm. 
Brown Foundation, mm. for bonus points, what's the connection between the stars of the two franchises? Halloween and Star Trek. And Star Trek. You mean like there's a person who's been in both? There is some connection between <laughs> Andrew, Andrew is dancing in his seat. There's some connection between uh, William Shatner, the star of the Star Trek franchise, and the Halloween oh. films. Um, I once dressed up as Data for Halloween. <laughs> Data's not the star. He's the star of Star Trek First Contact. I'll give, that. <laughs> I'll give Brown Foundation one more shot. Shatner was in one. He played um, the guy. <laughs> kind of. Uh-uh. Andrew. Erin, uh, for um, um, the mask that, that Michael Myers wears was a, um, a William Shatner mask, kind mm. of painted white. Yeah. And gross. So you could have dressed up as Data if you had a really budget costume, but yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> if you dress up as William Shatner, you are in- inadvertently also dressing up as Michael Myers. <laughs> Scaring children. <laughs> who is also a Canadian, which Shatner is as well. Mike Myers is a Canadian. That's a different Mike Myers. But, uh, <laughs> is it? I do They both bring horrible dreams. Yeah. <laughs> I'm both give, referred to as the shape. I'm going to give you bonus points for that connection. <laughs> All right, Brown Foundation. Which has more installments? Uh, animated dinosaur feature Land Before Time or American Pie? Oh, oh, Land Before Time. Land Before Time. Please let it be Land Before Time. <laughs> Land Before Time is correct. It has oh, 13 gosh. to American Pie's 8. Oh, no. 8? Eight? American oh, Pie? Yeah, so yeah. there's four uh, main uh, right. movie, theatrical uh, releases. Lots of uh, straight-to-video, terrible, yeah. masturbatory fantasy. They all feature they're, what, they're all they masturbatory. Eight was the easiest number to slice a pie into. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yes, uh, Eugene Levy is the only connection between all of them. Oh. I think I just had a sinking sense of shame. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for bonus points, can anyone tell me the connection between Land Before Time and American Pie? Um, no. I feel like Jim <laughs> Clark owns both of them on DVD. <laughs> Their jokes are both prehistoric. Hey. 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 Land Before Time had toys that went through Pizza Hut, and pizza is also called pie. I also put my dick in a triceratops. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you, uh, yeah, I'm going to give you points for all of those because, Yay. as far as I know, there is no connection. <laughs> Apart from the fact that they both make me cry, but for different reasons. <laughs> all right. Speaking of uh, sequels, uh, there are a lot of uh, exciting sequels coming out this year. Um, you know, of course, there's Star Wars. There's Mad Max, yes. uh, all those kind of things. But there is one sequel that I think we're all looking forward to more than any other, and that is, of course, Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the spirit of Jaws 19, I would like each team to take uh, a film that has a sequel coming out this year and to pitch me the 19th sequel uh, for that film. So okay. we're going to start with Cyberdyne Army. Yep. Mm-hmm. Foundation. Now, Cyber- what? Where are I thought we were the Cyberdyne. You are the Cyberdyne. That's the army that's behind the funding. That's oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guys, sort it out. Board, yeah. Look, we're we're good. We're 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 good to go. Taken three is coming out this year, and it appears to be exactly the same as the previous two. <laughs> I would like to hear uh, the <laughs> the movie pitch or the trailer for what Taken nineteen will sound like. Chris Finnerty, if you would like to provide some musical accompaniment to this. In 2053, the great-great-granddaughter of 
Liam Neeson is abducted from her bed. How could you do this to me? This time, it's personal. <laughs> Times three. <clears throat> they didn't think that he'd be back. But in but, the nursing home. But in the nursing home, <laughs> revenge knows no age. dinner time. No age. <laughs> he nice. might he might not be able to remember what he had for breakfast today, but he can remember his specific set of skills, <laughs> even if he can't physically use all of them. <laughs> Give me the tagline. Throw away the walker. Pick up the machine gun. All right, Sabadon Army, everyone. <laughs> Or whatever they have. I'd watch it. Yeah. Holographic ad. Brown Foundation. Yes. Mm. Jurassic World is coming out this year. Mm. I would like to know what Jurassic Park, the 19th installment of the Jurassic Park franchise. What number is the current one? Uh, Like four? It would be the fourth one. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's important. Sorry. Okay. (laughs) Can I have some idyllic music? Idyllic planet music. Idyllic. The world is a beautiful place. Mauve skies, azure water, verdant fields of green. And dinosaurs rule the earth. And in a small lab, a stegosaurus and a triceratops extract from an amber rock seminal fluid and inject it into a woolly mammoth. This is madness! What were you thinking? We don't know anything about these creatures. And that's exactly why we have to bring them back. <laughs> it's for the children! Well, you know, uh, well, life's gonna find a way. <laughs> and inside an amusement park, humans are bred. <laughs> But little do they know, one human is gaining the skills to operate a a cappuccino machine. (laughs) Can I get you a flat white? My god, what have we created? (laughs) Jurassic Park 19. Ponsonby. (laughs) Our foundation, everyone. That was close. It's very close. Very hard to decide. But I'm going to give the points to the Brown Foundation for that one. Uh, Out of pity? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll take it. So, uh, adding up the scores so far, we have Brown Foundation on 17 points. Cyberline Army on 18 points. This brings us to the fan fiction round. Mm. Or the fan fiction (laughs) round. Please join us in celebrating the success of Yorick's drainage services. I knew his well. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Setup and punchline. <laughs> that is how a joke works, correct. <laughs> Cyberline Army, you're going to go first in the fan fiction round. I'm going to give you two characters from mm. popular culture. Mm-hmm. You are going to create on the spot mm. a bit of fan fiction that incorporates the two of them. Okay. I would like you to write fan fiction that uh, includes Elizabeth Bennett from the Pride and Prejudice novel by Jane Austen. Excellent. And Polyphemus, 
The Cyclops from Homer's Odyssey. <laughs> you sure we can't have Lydia then it? This is entirely up to you. Some, some music, please. It was a rough day at the office. And Elizabeth uh, sharpened her pencils one by one. The Pemberley Foundation were comfortable employers, but not friendly. And not at all diverse. <laughs> she needed to bring more disability activism into the workplace. A different type of person. Someone new. Somebody who wasn't like everybody else. Someone who was perhaps enormous and hulking and had a severe facial disfigurement. And suddenly, just as she was thinking this, the door swung open. <laughs> wow, said Elizabeth. Who are you? <laughs> she realised that he had language difficulties as well. <laughs> Two in one. <laughs> Diversity, bingo. <laughs> <laughs> he reached his great wizened kind of clumpy giant hairy clump clumpy clumpy clump of a fist towards her pencil and picked it up and looked at it then he sharpened it in his teeth far faster than any pencil sharpener had done in the history of time what is this it's a pencil said elizabeth oh. i meet at the pemberley pencil sharpening foundation we sharpen nine million a year. How fast can you go? <laughs> <laughs> and so Polyphemus grabbed fistfuls of pencils and uh, sharpened them expertly in his, in his, in his rock-hard teeth. <laughs> Little did he know he was being paid well below minimum wage. But Elizabeth knew, and she was going to do something about it. She wrote a stern letter to Mr. Darcy. <laughs> And nothing came of it. <laughs> <laughs> Darcy's a jerk. The polyphemus <laughs> continued, continued working, sharpening pencils, because such was the simplicity of his desires in life that he didn't really feel he needed anything more than sharpening pencils until... Elizabeth noticed his quiet strength and was drawn to his character. <laughs> he said. Picking the encrusted clump... Clumpity clump clumps. On his hand. Uh, how could these hands know love? <laughs> Let me show you, said Elizabeth, uh, and ripped her bodice open. Oh, that's how. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sam got up. Did not go at all how I thought it would. <laughs> Went better, didn't it? Yes, much better. <laughs> Round Foundation, I would like to see a fan fiction that connects the T-800, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character from the Terminator films, mm. and Auric Goldfinger, uh, the Bond villain from the film Goldfinger. In a darkened alleyway, a crackle of lightning, a loud bang, and a nude Austrian walks... <laughs> Searching only for a black leather jacket. No pants. It's not that kind of story. <laughs> Quickly, he finds himself to a, a volcano. Which is the most logical place to find leather jackets. <laughs> Walking up the gravelly path to the huge fortress doors. Bursting them open. His heaving... Man bosom. Man bosom. 
already perspiring from the lavic heat underfoot. In mind, only one target. A finger. A f- gold finger. <laughs> to probe his... <laughs> to probe his Austrian manhood. He wants to be gilded by the best. Striding through the facility, one door opens, another, another. He All finds around no him. one. Gilt statues and banks of computer monitors. Until he reaches a final room where a Persian cat sits painfully. In the lap. <laughs> In the lap. Of a man. A, 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 an extraordinary man. An extraordinary man. A yes. man called... Goldfinger. I have been expecting you. And the Austrian says, I'll be on my back. <laughs> Brown Foundation, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. As I add up the scores for this, I think my feelings can be summed up by this picture of Bill Gates drinking water made from poo. Don't hold back, Don't hold back. I'm going to give the points to... Mm, <laughs> It's going to have to go to the Cyberdyne army oh, for that one. Workplace although... romances all the way. That's right. They were both working. <laughs> I have to say, though, that, uh, that there was a little bit of conflating Goldfinger with uh, Ernst Stavra Blofeld in that story. So. Yeah, it's fan fiction. We don't get everything right. Exactly. Unless they share the cat. Oh, yeah, cat sharing. Also, point out you managed to tell this entire story about a cyclops without mentioning that he had one eye. His <laughs> <laughs> only major feature. I said, he, I said he had a horrifically disfigured face. I was hoping yeah. you'd say he had a singular vision. Hey. Well, no, we didn't. Really good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, adding up the scores for that. Uh, Brown Foundation is on 21 points. Cyberline Army is racing away with 26 points. Oh, yes! Yeah. Oh, man. It's okay, so guys. It's okay, our, our, our repentance is coming. <laughs> Your repentance is coming. I don't know. The opposite you mean you're going to apologize for... What's the opposite of redemption? <laughs> it's condemnation. Yeah. It's a good catchphrase for a movie, right, though. 45 minutes repentance is coming. Derek, what did you bring along? Well, um... Uh, what did you bring along? I brought a cassette. Uh, with oh. One of the most influential comedy albums for me was Robin Williams' A Night at the Met. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played that a lot uh, in my youth, and I was lucky enough at one point to share the stage with him, and I got him to sign it. Oh, so I've got a cassette. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's what I brought along, my little, my little inspiration. Do you have anything that would even play a cassette now? Yeah, my car has got a cassette player. <laughs> Do not put a cassette in your car cassette player if you want to see that cassette again. Oh, it's been playing all my cassettes. I have an extensive cassette collection from 1991 to 1994. This is the thing, you, know, you can't really beat the sound of a cassette, you know, it's just, somehow it's warmer. <laughs> yeah, that's my favourite part. <laughs> Let's move on to the next round. The next round is on trial. In this round, each of the teams uh, must defend one pop culture villain. You, the audience, will decide which of the two villains will be acquitted. Let's see, uh, Brown Foundation. Yes. You can go first for this one. And uh, the villain that I would like you to defend is Megatron, the leader of the Decepticons, right. the bad Transformers. Would we say bad? Please uh, <laughs> a, a address the, the judge and jury. 
Ladies and gentlemen, what we have here is a representation of all that mankind has worked towards. Technology, something that we base our entire lives on now. No, all children now are learning on tablets, are learning how to operate machinery far more than we have, and it's exponentially growing. And this man here, this man here who wants to bring technology to the world, make it simpler for a car to turn into a robot, or a cassette player to turn into an eavesdropping eagle. <laughs> All he wants to do is aid mankind. That's right. The prosecution has focused a lot on the fact that Megatron turns into a gun. <laughs> but... We would remind we would you remind that guns that... do not kill people. People kill people. And so do Every... American cops. Every second that Megatron spends not turned into a gun is a second that he's not shooting people. <laughs> so, Barack Obama, Vladimir Putin, Megatron is the one leader brave enough to shirtlessly ride a horse through the valley of my heart. A robot horse. A robot horse that turns into an iPod or some shit. I don't know what he turns into. A dinosaur that turns into a can of Coke. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, a round of applause for the Brown Foundation. Stirring defense. Cyberdyne Army. Uh, you have perhaps the, the most difficult challenge of oh, all. Boy. You will be defending Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we've got this, we've got this. Um, so, so many of you might be familiar with Cthulhu, the great, um, wonderful visitor from outer space. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's <laughs> he rises from the deep, ladies and gentlemen. He, he's often framed as some kind of eldritch, awful god-type figure. Um, and, but, but he's grossly misunderstood. I think the fact that he rises from the deep is really uh, where that misunderstanding mm. comes from. You see, ultimately, Cthulhu is just a, a funny-looking guy who doesn't want to be disturbed. He's just a space squid who wants to be left alone. Like, and yet we disturb him constantly with our dreams, with our nightmares, with our invocations over the Book of the Dead. Is Cthulhu to blame for being what we asked him to be, ladies and gentlemen? And I mean, like, you know, sure. You Sorry, know, let me just pause you over there. Your, your defences, I mean, like, you know. <laughs> Sharpen up, Todd. <laughs> your hey. repentance is coming, Todd. Well, one, thing, one, thing, one thing that we do need to clarify, though, is that... Um, Cthulhu's uh, awesome powers, they're just quite extraordinary powers, have been remarked upon quite mm. negatively, in fact. He's been accused of brainwashing people, of invading the minds of human individuals and mm. turning them against themselves and, and their fellow people, but they've just got it wrong, they don't understand the language. He is the most talented, motivational speaker the planet Earth has ever known. In a better world, we would be seeing Cthulhu on stage before thousands, inspiring them to, to go greatness. about their lives, to, to, to achieve true greatness to in the Cthuloid manner. To strive, to yeah, push To ahead. follow their dreams and their nightmares. To stride through the world as if it were a chasm of darkness and bring into it darkness that was even darker. Cthulhu will lead you if you just listen.
Give the guy a chance. Sabadon Army, everyone. In just a moment, you, the audience, will decide which of these two should be acquitted. Uh, I have one pardon to hand out. Should it be Megatron or Cthulhu? Uh, I'll have uh, one closing statement from each team. Then I'll repeat the names. You will applaud for the one you think should be acquitted. So, closing statement for Megatron. Guns don't kill people, and neither do robots who turn into guns. And for Cthulhu? You asked for him. Here he is. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Who thinks that we should acquit Megatron? Okay. Who thinks we should acquit Cthulhu? (laughs) (laughs) Cthulhu is back on the streets. (laughs) This next round is the dystopia round. Interesting. This is a brand new round. The dystopia round is The dystopia round is brought to you by the treasures of the Sierra Madre Holiday Home Services. We will clean your stinking batches. In this game, I will give each of the teams a particular uh, cultural fad. You're going to extrapolate from that a dystopian future where things have gone horribly wrong. Cyberdyne Army, you are going to go first. I want you to describe the horrific future that will result from selfies. Okay. Well, of course it starts okay. You know, we're, we're sharing pictures of ourselves and ourselves with loved ones, with our loved ones. Where the, where the, the trouble comes is when uh, we stop actually being able to perceive other people unless we are being photographed with them. Our eyes begin to mutate into the back of our skull so that we can better position ourselves <laughs> somehow. Wait, and, would... and what is incredibly troublesome about this, I mean, apart from our hideous disfigurement, is um, the fact that the very nature of our perception starts to change. And if mm. we can't see it in a photo, we don't believe it exists. So people start injuring themselves by smacking into chairs or, mm. or door frames or moving vehicles that they just don't see because they're not within their frame of reference. Soon it's decreed that all of these obstacles that mm. we could run over must be removed altogether. Now there are rebels in this, in this futuristic dystopia but they're heavily policed by, uh, by a, a, a militarised police force armed with selfie sticks. If, if anything they're an outright <laughs> underclass who must um, serve the, the physical needs and, and whims and desires and vanity, and, to be and perfectly vanity frank. Of, of the people taking selfies. They even have to do things like you know bathe these people so they still look alright and feed them and it's just it's, it's an absolutely yeah. horrific sort of divided I mean, up to, Just to get an idea of how, how horrific it is, imagine a world where everyone has permanent duck face <laughs> That's the kind of horror we're talking about Imagine a world where people have enormous kind of fungal crustaceans under their chins from always going like that. It's disgusting. It smells bad. It looks bad. And people get sick. It starts to burrow in under the skin. It's really gross. (laughs) (laughs) And it's starting on the other team. (laughs) It's just so insidious. It's a slippery slope. And soon the relationships that we're hoping to build by sharing these lovely Mm. pictures of ourselves with our loved ones, there will be no relationships. There will only be the self. We will just be in this this sick, vain sort of feedback loop of self and image. And the philosophers are going to have a fucking field day. We are pro-selfie, but anti-selfishness. Yeah. 
Sabadon Ami, everyone. Mm -hmm. Brown Foundation. Mm -hmm. uh, I would like a dystopia based on uh, future the results from Keep Calm and Carry On posters. <laughs> <laughs> well, to begin with, oh, these posters instill a sense of calm and, and, and nostalgia. I mean, the the whole, they, come from the, they come from the past, you know? They... The sturdy sans serif font. <laughs> Crisp, clean white vectors. And then, of course, there's the new versions. Keep calm and have a coffee. Keep calm and buy New Zealand made. Keep calm and all sorts of things. But soon, the exhortations to, become, to keep calm become so frequent, it's no longer impossible, it's no longer possible to keep calm and do everything. People become beset by inner turmoil as they try to keep calm and drink coffee at the same time as they keep calm and drive their cars, at the same time as they keep calm and keep up with their Twitter feeds, at the same time as they keep calm and write a letter to their aunt. Soon it becomes apparent that the directive to keep calm was not an encouragement of, 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 you know, serenity, but of placidity, of a government aiming to stifle its people, to confuse them, and to distract them from the real problem, which was... Uh, keep calm. <laughs> keep calm. Keep it, calm. It keep repeating. Keep calm. Loudspeakers on every corner. Keep calm. Keep calm. Calm. Eventually, the population, overwhelmed by the desire to do any of the things they were asked to do, begin to give up and realize that it's futile to attempt anything. They keep so calm, they do nothing. They forget to eat. They forget to breathe. They keep calm and die. <laughs> I think it's a spoiler, but that's the ending of a of a movie. Well, yeah, the, yeah. It's the plot of Serenity. <laughs> <laughs> we alluded to it. I think it's, it's a secret origin. Uh, well, poaching. I, I have to give the point to the Brown Foundation for that. That was a very stirring, stirring warning, and I think we'll all have to go home and Burn destroy those mugs. <laughs> We have time for one more round tonight. Ooh. This is the traditional final round. It is the who would win round. <laughs> the who would win round is brought to you by hoverboards. Hoverboards. Please stop asking about them. <laughs> did, you, yep. did you see the working hoverboard demo? Go no. to hell, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. there, there was the fake one. There was the fake one that they did with Tony Hawk and uh, and Christopher Lloyd. But then they a few days ago they uh, they demoed a real one that works with uh, mag magnets. You have to have a special magnetic surface, a special uh, ferromagnetic. Well, that's not fucking surface. useful, is it? <laughs> but, but you do hover. That's the version that's in um, Scott Westerfeld's um, Pretty series. Is this idea of tracks of maglev? That people scoot over. Can we have a point? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, isn't it, I mean isn't it, if, if you have to put tracks down, isn't it like, you know, yeah. we've just it's put like a four wheels underneath to, yeah. to keep the board like, yeah, like, ground. I've got, I've got a good hoverboard prototype. You need, like, a whole, like, rigs of, like, ropes and pulleys to make it work. <laughs> but, like, you fucking hover. And it reached all conceived hoverboards had limits to where they could go. The pink ones didn't go on water. Everyone knows that. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, we did. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, moving <laughs> on. The Who Would Win round. Uh, this is going to be a special time traveler edition, and it's also going to be a duos round. Oh, right. So, oh man. Each team will be given oh, a oh, time traveling duo, wow. tag team, time team, who must who must uh, do battle with the other. And let's see. Um, Brown Foundation, you are behind, so I'm going to let you choose between uh, which you would like to support. Your two options are Dr. Emmett Brown and Marty McFly, or Bill and Ted of the Excellent Adventure. We will take Bill and Ted. Wild Stallions rule! All right, uh, that means Cyberdyne, you get uh, Doc Brown and Marty McFly. Okay. So, who would win between these two time-travelling duos? Brown Foundation, start us off. Well, the most important thing about Bill and Ted is that they're idiots. Mm. Uh, Remember you're pro Bill and Ted. No, I know. I'm aware that I'm pro, which means that they have no plan. How do you fight that which has no plan, basically? It's like drunken boxing, you know? Yeah. As the man said, wisest is he who knows he does not know. And Bill and Ted know they do not know, which is why they set out to recruit the very best people they can from throughout history. They are leaders, they they are able to attract the following, Mm -hmm. uh, and they have history literally on their side. Correct. So, Army. Well, what we want to tell you about Marty and Doc is Doc is brilliant. He is not an idiot, (coughs) and that is pro our team. In fact, uh, (laughs) while Bill and Ted sort of just stumble upon uh, their time travel ability, Doc invented it from the ground up. True. I, th- I think we we need to remember that that Bill and Ted, being gifted this time travel uh, technology from the future, have no idea how to actually use it properly. They don't know how it might be uh, misused or mistreated or weaponized. They're or just sabotaged. These, I know, or sabotaged. They're just these kind of you know bumbling sort of users of this enormous gun that they've been given. Whereas on the other hand, we have Doc and Marty who work really hard not only to mm. improve the present but the past and the future with intent. And not weapons just, technology not that they just stole because off they want to do a good job on their <coughs> high school project because otherwise they're going to get kicked out of school. But then Sorry. they come to a purpose. Marty and Doc only serve, serve to, to seek to serve themselves while they Bill and Ted learn. Yeah, they learn the greatest gift is to be excellent to one another. See, see, there's a difference between learning, though, and actually accomplishing stuff. And the thing is, like, Marty and Doc, they, they, uh, like, they save lives. They serve I the greatest purpose is, of they, all. They serve life and they serve science. And they're not and they by a megalomaniac um, dream of rock stardom. Yeah, and I think, I think actually, on the subject of rock stardom, I think, I think the thing about rock is that, like, sure, the wild stallions want to be rock stars. Marty McFly invented rock and roll. <laughs> I, I, will, I will point out one other person that uh, uh, Bill and Ben have on... Bill and... Bill and Ben. Bill and Ted have on their challenge Bill and Ted have on their side, and that is from Bill and Ted's bogus, uh, bogus journey, and they have death on their side. Mm. In fairness... I'm going to highlight that. They death wouldn't know his way out of a paper bag. Exactly. They fought and beat death. So uh, they have death in their corner, and I feel like they're... Their main loyalty is to each other. So, if this was a battle, really, where it was 
these two versus these two. And it is. That and is it is, and that is the point. That is the point. Uh, I'm pretty sure Doc's going to lose and forget If you're nice. talking about loyalty, look, Marty McFly traveled 100 years just to uh, just to save Doc's life. Exactly, and, and it's a one-way loyalty train. But but they're so resourceful and they're so resilient and they're so adaptable. They're able to take just the things that are lying around them and turn them into extraordinary technology. Yeah, for example, not, not just them, but the people around them. Yeah, that's right. They crashed a train into a canyon. How many lives could that train have saved by bringing food and medicine? You they crashed know, a train into on that a train. canyon <laughs> just to send one person back to the future, heedless. Of the of the good. I just like the point of order that the other team seems to keep pointing out how dangerous Marty mm. and Doc are, yeah. which in a physical fight is not actually to their team's advantage. All right, if we're going to go physical, yeah, how's physical this fight, fight actually going to go down? Physical fight. Okay. Bill and Ted are younger and probably on drugs. They have robot doubles themselves and they have death on their side. If this was a fist-to-fist okay, fight. So and if they're traveling okay. back in the future and, and past, all Bill and Ted have to do is bring Marty into the future and then he's incapacitated because of the MS. Man, wow, that was... I can't even the ways in which that was incredibly fucking insensitive. I want to win this fight! You're bringing Marty into the future! Yes, you win at any cost! So yes, they're drug addicts with invisible guitars, that's fine. They have evil robot selves who may or may not help them at certain points in time. Doc and Marty can harness the power of electricity and just blast those robots to shit. I think it's important to note note that in in terms of their time travel uh, mechanisms, um, uh, Bill and Ted... They've got a phone booth, whereas Marty and Doc have a motherfucking DeLorean. And how and many times has that DeLorean gone wrong? And, and well, I'll tell you, t- tell you what. The only, re- the only reason we know how many times is because Marty and Doc actually got around to making a fucking third movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's also worth noting that Bill and Ted's phone booth breaks all the fucking time, and they don't even know how to fix it. They fix it with chewing gum. They're <laughs> so resourceful. All right, okay, okay. I <laughs> want... <laughs> This is right. It's got way more heated than I expected. Electricity versus chewing gum and marijuana. I would like closing statements from each side and then we'll put it to the audience to decide who wins. Where we're going, we don't need chodes like this. Foundation. They who control death can never die. Be excellent to one another. Yeah. But also die. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it is now uh, for you to decide who is the who should win. Should it be uh, Bill and Ted? <laughs> or should it be Marty and Doc? I think Aaron might have sealed it on that last <laughs> time. <laughs> Fantastic. While I add up the scores, uh, it is time for our final round, which is, of course, recommendations, where each of our players recommends something uh, of interest to our audience. We'll start with you, Matt. Okay. Um, Long-time listeners will remember that in our first Nerd Degree episode, I recommended a Melbourne podcast called How About This? Uh, Tonight I'm going to recommend another Melbourne podcast called Grain of Truth. Uh, it's a it's another panel game show. It's uh, a little bit more academically uh, minded. It's got six panelists um, representing an area of expertise. 
Uh, and some of us are going to be on it because they're coming to Christchurch next week, uh, next week, next Wednesday night, same place, same time, to record two episodes of Grain of Truth right here in the studio. Uh, so come along to watch Grain of Truth being recorded. Um, you'll see some nerdiness. For a change. <laughs> <laughs> Derek. Ah, yes. Uh, um, if you're here in Christchurch, where this podcast is recorded, I am uh, getting into character uh, to be... This would explain my behavior. I'm uh, in the summer series show of Peter Pan playing Captain Hook. So, uh, <laughs> so with... Uh, it doesn't explain for children? it. <laughs> for children. Well, there, are, there is a youth company, and it's not necessarily for kids. Uh, but, uh, yeah... So come come watch me be an asshole to a bunch of kids. For a change. For a change. <laughs> Jen, recommendation. Uh, oh, so I, uh, like I said at the beginning, I'm from Wellington, and in about a month um, in Wellington is the New Zealand Fringe Festival. So if you're in Wellington from the uh, 20th of February to the, let's say, 14th of March, um, uh, come and see some shows. I'm doing a 13-hour soap opera called 13, The Soap. Uh, improvised. It's nine episodes in a row set in 1995. I'm also doing a show called Definitely Not Witches in which me and my coven, sorry, improv troupe will prove to you that we are definitely not witches. <laughs> uh, I'm going to plug, as always, the Nerd Degree. <laughs> we are back uh, February the 4th. Uh, same place, same time. Also, uh, of course, this turns into a podcast. You can find that on iTunes. Uh, you can find our website, uh, nerddegree.com. Uh, join us on Facebook. Follow us on tr- Twitter. Uh, Twitter, yep. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's all there. It's all good. And also, uh, we would love it if you could maybe uh, give us a rating on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, five. And, and uh, write a review, that kind of thing. Uh, it does help us a lot. Kind and of get the word out. tell someone else that you liked it. Oh, yeah. Tell, tell people about it. it. Yeah. yeah, tell your mum. Yes, mums. Mums are really the, the the audience that we're really trying to. <laughs> <laughs> Backbone of every podcast audience. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Karen. Um, I recommend <clears throat> another podcast. Um, this one is called Sailor Business, and it goes through every one of the original Sailor Moon cartoon episodes one by one and discusses them at length, roughly one and a half times the actual episode. Um, it's really, really fun. It's by um, Chris Sims of the ISB, if you ISB Superblog. Um, very highly recommended. And you're, you, you've been on an episode? Yes, I, I, guessed, I guessed it on a couple of really terrible ones. It was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Andrew? Um, I've already met, mentioned Ghost Shark 2, which uh, we will have a release date soon, so follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, but uh, a movie that I do know the release date is um, a film called Force Majeure, uh, which is my favorite film of 2000. And 14. Um, it's coming out uh, here in New Zealand on general release on the 22nd of January. Um, like, I saw probably over 100 new movies last year, and it's my favorite out of them. It's a black comedy about a, uh, a family that goes on a skiing holiday and things go horribly wrong. Uh, it's probably the most uncomfortable date movie of 2014, <laughs> and there were quite a few really uncomfortable ones. Um, but it's, it's bloody brilliant, um, very funny, and uh, uh, go and see it, because... Independent film's great. Erin? Um, I'm going to recommend a bar. I'm going to recommend uh, a lovely place called the Astro Lounge, which is a sci-fi themed bar, garden bar, beautiful garden bar, that's tucked in behind Cooking with Gas on uh, Worcester Boulevard, across from the great shattered hulk of the art centre. Um, apart from the fact that it's 
lovely and quiet and is sci-fi themed as is all its food and has a really good beer and wine selection. It's one of the only places you can go in Christchurch to have a drink and not look at the car park. So there's that. <laughs> Alright, very nice. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, a big round of applause for our musician, Mr. Chris Finnerty. Uh, and on 34 points we have the Brown Foundation, Matt, Derek and Jen. But tonight our winners are the Cyberdyne Army. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron, Andrew and Karen. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, that is all the time we have. Thank you so much for coming along. Hopefully we'll see you next month. Goodbye. Thank you again for listening to The Nerd Degree. We will be back Wednesday, February 4th, here at Orange Studios, Christchurch, New Zealand. If you enjoy The Nerd Degree, please tell your friends, uh, rate us on iTunes, write a review. All of those things really help. The reason that I started The Nerd Degree in the first place was because... I am so amazed by my talented and funny friends and I just wanted to introduce them to everyone else. So please help me spread the word about Nerd Degree because, yeah, I'm really proud of this and I want everyone to know about it. Uh, So, yeah, see you in February. Goodbye.